You know the old saying, selling like hotcakes? What does that even mean? What is a hotcake anyway? They should change it to selling like Hondas, because right now, Hondas are selling faster than ever. Probably because they're so rugged, long-lasting, and fuel-efficient. And if you want one, you should get to your local Honda dealer right away. Check out the 8-passenger pilot, or maybe the adventurous passport. But you gotta do it fast, because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving now. Don't wait. See your local Honda dealer today. Right Night is a talk show with published authors, writers, and content creators discussing both the creative and technical sides of writing, as well as the industry surrounding it from novels to screenplays to comics and more. And now, here's your host, author Travis I. Sivar. Hello, and welcome to Write Night. I think Kongsley's been drinking there as he did the intro. He was stuttering a bit. Uh, welcome to Write Night, where we do a coffee chat, writer's round table style format for discussion. And so everybody knows... Uh, we are an adult show with an adult language and adult humor and things like that are going to happen. So just so you're prepared for that when it does slip into conversation. Other than that, we do have a live chat audience that we'll be interacting with. The bell sound means I want to read some comments out of chat. And as for chat, we may not get to all your comments and thoughts, but we do appreciate them. We will try to read out the most relevant and or entertaining ones. So... Other than that, let me introduce myself. I am Travis I. Sivart. I am author of the Silver and Smith Chronicles. I am currently working on book two. It should be out in another month or two. And uh, that relates to what I want to talk about tonight. But first, let's do some introductions with the uh, other distinguished authors that happen to show up randomly tonight. We'll start with Michael. <laughs> Happy to drop in. <laughs> My name is Michael Thompson. I'm an independent author and illustrator, and uh, one of my books is World of the Orb. It's a portal fantasy adventure about two best pals on a field trip to the Museum of Natural History. They sneak away from the group and break the one rule. It's not to go in the artifact room and definitely not to touch the orb. And when they do, they're zapped and cast headlong into an alternate world of monsters, myths, and magic that sets them on a harrowing treasure hunt to find Earth again. You can check out this and all my other books on michaelthompsonbooks.com. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-H-O-M-P. Oh, Goodness. <laughs> it's your name. You've used it your entire life. How do you get this wrong on three, wrong three separate podcasts? M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N books.com. Yay. Check it, check it out. Please buy a book so that I can get uh I can join a public speaking class to <laughs> learn how to talk again. <laughs> Plus, entry in a spelling bee. So yeah. you can- <laughs> a spelling bee, yeah. Yes. Fund, fund my ability to spell and buy my book. I'm an author. <laughs> Aaron. That's why we'll hire you an editor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an editor. <laughs> Hi, I'm Aaron. 
Kennedy, just like the dead president, I am the author of Persona Non Grata, uh, the first of the Ships of Valor book series. Uh, it follows the adventures of uh, Eric Gadsden uh, and Hart, the uh, ship, uh, as they travel around trying to solve a mystery about what is going on of Terra of old. Uh, I've been a technical writer for 25 years. I'm currently working on the Icarus Black uh, young adult uh, sci-fi pulp series, um, which follows the... Uh, titular character Icarus Black Great and name. her adventures. Yes, an awesome name. Um, I've been published in the Army Times and the Army University Press. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I've, uh, I'm here to make fun of both Travis Sivart and Michael uh, Thompson. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Thompson. <laughs> hey, you guys! It's that, it's that semi-silent semi P at the, at the last... Uh, yeah, apparently, it's that silent H that's so the problem. Si the silent H. I've never had a problem with the silent H. Uh, <laughs> never Except for the last three episodes. I've only had one person mispronounce my name in my life. It was a substitute teacher and called me Michelle Thompson. That <laughs> <laughs> had to be on purpose. Okay. Because yeah. you're so Canadian. I started laughing and she said, stop, stop laughing at him just because he has a funny name. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, by the way, you were saying, Michelle, about a dystopian versus utopian, Travis. Well, you can get Aaron's books at bit.ly slash Aaron Kennedy. That's bit dot ly slash Aaron Kennedy, like the dead president. And uh, he'll be lucky we don't call him Aaron the whole show now because that's how he introduced himself. Aaron! And you can find him. Call me Michelle Thompson. We got Michelle and A.A. Ron here with uh, whoever the hell I'm going to be. Uh, you can get my books at bit.ly. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Travis Books. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Travis Books. Okay. Yeah, tonight, it's, it's great to finally meet you in person, by the way. <laughs> it's great to meet you. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, good, good, good to be here. Um, I mean, you look so different with your glasses and your, uh, your bowling shirt on. It, it's very true. Um I want to talk about dystopian versus utopian because Silver and Smith is cyberpunk noir with archaeology thrown in. So they step into ruins of the past and whatnot. But as I'm looking at this world, which is near future, borderline dystopia and borderline cyberpunk, it, it's as those worlds are coming into existence. Um, the fun thing, and I, Aaron points this out quite a bit, is... Dystopian utopian, it's a fine line between the two. Dystopian usually is a utopian society where one thing has gone wrong. And if you look at Mockingbird mm. and what was the other one? Indifferent? No. Interference. Uh, Mocking, uh, Mocking Jay and. Uh, you say, uh, yeah, Divergence. Divergent. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. But, but in this universe where I'm Michelle Thompson, it is <laughs> Mockingbird. And, <laughs> and indifferent. Different, yeah. Which is how a lot of people felt uh, about the series. Star Wars. Star Wars is a great example of this because sure, I bring this up yeah, all the, the time. Empire, yeah. Well, hey, for those that have watched The Mandalorian, there's a great quote from the villain. He's talking about, no, no, wherever the Empire touches, things are, by every metric, better. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. There's safety. There's security. There's law and order. Costumes. <laughs> uh, the Empire did nothing wrong. Why did Darth Sidious walk with a cane in Jedi? So he could throw it down and go, fool you! Why did Yoda walk with a cane? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Maybe maybe to throw people off. I don't know. So they can reach things on high shelves. (laughs) It's a grabber. (laughs) (laughs) Same same reason T-Rex has walked with canes. (laughs) I thought thought T-Rexes used two canes because they love skiing quite possibly except water skiing I mean up until the ice age they've gone back on uh, the whole T-Rex having feathers thing I think you're thinking Velociraptors didn't because it it was such a big animal that it would have overheated with all those feathers so now now they're postulating that no in fact it was bald on top or all over? All over. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not just on top. You do a three feather comb over. <laughs> I, I would love to see a T-Rex with like the cockatoo type frill on top. So just yeah. every time they like go hunting, that thing comes up. Yeah. That, that might be pretty sweet, you know, and and scary if done right funny if done if another in another way you just look like a big <laughs> middle finger popping up <laughs> i don't think we know exactly what the t-rex looked like for all we know or what it sounded like it could have squawked for all we know right it, it is and then there's a big debate on whether it had lips or not well you mean just like <laughs> well yeah but it's like you know like if you look at um like iguanas they got lips but you look at something like a crocodile and they're all exposed the teeth, that is. <laughs> well, anyway, dystopia. <laughs> and, and Kennedy points out, what have the Romans ever done for us? There's an empire from the real oh, world. You know what? They introduced the greatest Roman joke of all time. <laughs> Roman soldier walks into the bar, oh. holds up two fingers and says, five beer, please. <laughs> Kennedy says, I wonder if there was a prehistoric feathered boa. He could just wear, he could wear uh, dead raptors around his neck. Probably raptors, I believe, were were feathery. Yeah, and I the ones think. we saw in uh, Jurassic Park were actually Utah raptors as opposed to velociraptors. Velociraptors are only turkey. supposed to be about yay big. Yeah, I'm sorry to talk about um, dinosaurs more, but you know that the Dilophosaurus, the thing with the frill in the first Jurassic Park, didn't have a frill. There's no evidence it had a frill. Right. They just put it on there to distinguish it from the uh, raptors. You know what? There's no evidence that it didn't have a frill. So yeah. That's true. That's true. But eh, anyway, and it, yeah. or, nor did it spit. And I, and I was sure it didn't spit, but the but the frill thing, I was like, oh, oh well, it, darn. It, it did, yeah. but only on the <laughs> well, first date. Uh, <laughs> sir, you write books about cryptids. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I, well, I'm just going to point this out. I study these. I need to. I need to. I need to work this out because lots of cryptids are like relic dinosaurs. Th- this is the hill you're going to die on. <laughs> okay. It was interesting. Those don't have those. <laughs> no, I know that's true. <laughs> Tell me about the fire for breathing fish again. Hey, hey, hey! You know, there's no evidence that it didn't breathe fire that's when right. it washed ashore in the Gambia. That's right. You can't prove a negative. You um, can't prove a negative. Okay. <laughs> So I want to talk about dystopian versus utopian. I kind of want to turn to Aaron because he's got a lot of thoughts on this and I so do. many other things. So why don't we okay. let him start and we'll see whatever he spouts, if it relates or not. Go, Aaron. Because <laughs> <laughs> go. Well, no, no, I, so 
the best way to kind of look at dystopian versus utopian societies, okay? Let's hit some of the great movies that are out there, like Judge Dredd, okay? The the Carl Urban Urban Worm or the Sylvester Stallone one, because I love them both. Yes. Okay, for different reasons. Very different reasons. (laughs) Okay, they're both great movies in their own right, okay? Um, Because Rob Schneider's in one of them. I'm not going to say which one. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) He's he's actually in both, but whatever. Yes. Uh, So, no, Judge Dredd, okay? We've got Mega City 1, all right? But outside of Mega City 1 is this friggin' barren landscape. And it kind of reminds me of Silver and Smith. (laughs) So you got the cyberpunk-ish society, and then you've got these ruins that are outside. Which, I I just feel Uh, like it should be Mad Max outside the walls, and I haven't read enough of the comic books to know if it was. But I know they had wasted. It is. Yeah, you got the big mega city one. You got like five different, five or six different mega cities because uh, it's all co- coalesced into like a big New Yorkish tiny thing with a big wall around it. And then you got the judges that are kind of roaming their thing. But it's a cyberpunkish type of setup, right? Um, and but outside, it's it's all the ruins and Mad Maxes and everybody that's been exiled out there, and they're the mutants and that. Yeah. But you you got that kind of setup. So you've got this kind of semi-utopian society of there's the law inside here, there's chaos out there. Or it's dystopian, where, hey, you commit friggin' littering, bam, you're dead. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's kind of utopian in my head. (laughs) I want my streets clean, (laughs) no matter the con. I think think that's a good one. I think Mad Max is a great one. I, anytime, anytime I come upon a, a Fury Road on TV, I just, I just stop and watch until the commercials come up. Well, that's apocalyptic that's as opposed to dystopian. Dystopian is still our current yeah. society, but it's broken. Okay, okay, like fair Mockingjay enough. Mockingjay had a full functional society that seemed utopian. There was another one besides uh, Indifferent. Um, <laughs> Maze Runner. Maze Runner is what it was. Me, yeah. Maze Runner. Yeah. Um, um, I, but we can go into like Fifth Element. Fifth Element's kind of got the, it's a full functioning society. It's semi, it's just set in the future. You get down into the mists and things like that. Um, and they, they hit that borderline of, oh, got all this kick-ass technology. You've got Flossed in Paradise, which is very that utopian thing. Um, it doesn't look like anybody's wanting anything. It just looks like everything's kind of askew. You got the Zorg Corporation. Um, well, yeah, it is all these cool utopian concepts, and then you got this dystopian chips in the wall. Yeah. Well, if you look at our modern I, I, society, I, go ahead, Mike. I came upon um, a Total Recall playing on TV um, for the which, first time in a while, which and and I said, uh, which one? Uh, the uh, um, Schwarzenegger. The, the Schwarzenegger, yeah. Um, and and I just stopped and watched that. And, and Michael's like, world, Stallone starred in that one. <laughs> I, I almost said Stallone, but I'm like, no, no, that's not right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that was quite entertaining. And that's a good one. But it's what was interesting to me is uh, just, you know, looking at looking at the the time period in which it was made and, and, and that concept of what the, of what the future looked like. And it's just interesting, you know, depending on when a movie's made, seeing what, you know, like what robots look like, like our, our idea of, of a robot has sort of expanded. You know, you look at, uh, what was the name of the robot? Klaatu. 
Um, or is that the guy in The Day the Earth Stood Still? Oh, you're talking about Klaatu Vraktu Niktu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from from uh, I remember it because of Evil, for Evil Dead 3, but... Uh, Klaatu was... is also the name of a Star Wars character from Return of the Jedi, one of the Skiff Guards. Wow. Uh, all three of them were, actually. Yeah. Klaatu is in everything. But anyway, they had the big the big laser-headed robot in mm-hmm. War of the... So we had that idea of a robot. You know, you have, like, Lost in Space, and then you have... You know, fast forward to not too long ago, um, the interstellar robot, which is just a, a box that unfolds in weird ways. Right. And that was that was a, that was a really cool bot to me. It was. By um, the way, uh, where do one throws in Blade Runner? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the yeah. replicants. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that we made people, but they only had a five year lifespan before they died. Right. So so Travis, since you're writing since you're writing future stuff, what is what is the most what is the most or your favorite like futury thing that that you get to do in this oh. in this book oh yeah okay <clears throat> first a little context see i remember growing up in the 70s and the 80s the concept of what 2020 would look like not right. like this we look away a lot more like 1980 did than what we thought 2020 would look like we are closer to where we mm-hmm. were 40 years ago than where we thought we would be now let me interrupt you real quick, okay? Because okay. there's a great movie that freaking kind of highlights this in some regards. Freaking Back to the Future, okay? Back to the Future said freaking 1985, what was it, 1955 and uh, 2015. Right. Those, right. Th- those were the freaking the three eras it kind of hit on. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Because if you remember, <laughs> those were the visions of what was there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Give me a second. I'm going to answer this real quick. Uh, It's just Andrea saying she's coming home, so I'm going to... um, Tell her I said hello. (laughs) Hello. I'll keep it simple and quick. Aaron says hello, too. Michelle and A.A. Ron say (laughs) My book is set 20 to 30 years in the future. I leave it kind of vague on purpose so I can flex a bit. Um, Yeah, yeah. And I have barely moved it forward. We are... Okay, computers have advanced. We've got graphene computers. We do have hover vehicles. We do have a lot more recycling in the sense of when you walk up to a fast food restaurant, all everything you receive, including the bag and the containers, are biodegradable or even edible. Um, <clears throat> oh, the bag is edible? Yeah, okay. rice paper. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it reminds me of cartoons where the characters would eat like a candy bar but like wrapper and all <laughs> what now keep in mind freaking 15 years ago freaking in china because of the freaking recycling issue they started making uh the bowls and stuff out of rice right. so they're completely biodegradable and edible now but freaking they stop yeah right that's has the concept like and also beef is very rare when you cook it and when you don't um <clears throat> so there's a lot more chicken and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. a lot more seafood. Yeah. But I think my favorite thing to play with, besides the hover-type vehicles and the electrical vehicles that are working on electromagnetism for the hovering, um, so they're a lot more silent, is the cell phone advancement. With graphene, oh. a cell phone could be made so it's like a sheet of paper, and you can roll it up and put it in your pocket. And you can unroll a keyboard and hook it to another sheet of graphene, and that's your whole laptop is like essentially two sheets of paper, but it's this very thick thing. And also graphene, when 
layered two molecules thick can stop a bullet, but not a knife. True fact. This is all science right here. Um, and this I, is, I don't even, I, I, this is the first time you've probably talked about graphene before. I, I feel I like got you a have. hard on for it, buddy. Um, yeah, I, I haven't heard, um, Imagine I at least haven't heard about it. A postage stamp all... made of graphene. That could be a battery for a phone. It takes like 30 to 60 seconds to charge and it holds that charge for three days. Um, sorry, I got it. She's bringing food. I think uh, I think what's great is that you're harnessing you know this this thing that you're that you're very very interested in and very very knowledgeable of, um, and 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 pouring that into your story. That's always that's always a really good uh, sign. And and I think you know all the all this stuff is like you know paint for the paintbrush of a writer. Yeah. Um, sorry, she wants to know what I want from Five Guys. This is very important. Um, a burger and fries. <laughs> Well, there's like six things on the menu. You want, do you want cheese on it? Or do you want freaking bacon on it? Cheese. Thank you. I forgot. You get your fries. Okay. I um, I recently got Five Guys again for the first time in a while because I realized I wasn't allergic to peanuts anymore. Mm. And um, yeah, just all of a sudden, it happens. And because uh, they they use peanut oil in their right. in their, so I had always avoided it. And I just had a, I just had a great time just just chowing down on fries. <laughs> oh, that means you. That means you can eat Chick Fil A again. Uh, I guess I always. <laughs> I guess I always ate Chick Fil A. I guess I never had a problem with it. See, I didn't know they were the only ones that I knew used peanut oil. I must not have been all the all this time. All this time wasted. <laughs> Man, I can't get the word Cajun. There we go. Okay, I, I just remember I need Cajun fries. Um, oh, it's good. Yeah. So other things is linked technology. From your card phone, which is what it's called instead of a cell phone or a mobile, it's a card phone, and that can link to a contact lens that has a full HUD display on it. Um, being yeah. able to link from your HUD display to your pistol, which has an electronic interface, so it creates the the red dot on people in a scope type situation, and your scope is built into the technology. So it's simple and small advancements that are very reasonable that we actually probably have the technology today to make, but it takes a certain amount of marketing. Um, yeah. Something else I play into this is the genetic and nanotechnology of the future. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, it's very much just blossoming <clears throat> um, as well as something I will start to explore soon is the AI. Because right now when we deal with AI at home, we have, I'm going to just whisper this in the mic so my phone and my other devices don't go crazy. We have Alexa and Bixby and OK Google and Siri. I don't you son of a bitch, all my stuff's going after me. <laughs> <laughs> all these lights turn on behind you. <laughs> it's, uh, we like to call her A-hole so we don't say her name. But yeah, we have the A-word <laughs> in this house. And uh, yeah, quite often when we mention on the show, suddenly she's like, oh, what do you want? And we're like, nothing. Stop talking to me. <laughs> Um, well, okay. So you heard about the you heard about the you heard about the parrot that figured out how to order a cracker. So it oh said, uh, "Polly wants a cracker," and ordered a pallet of crackers. Wow, a whole pallet. No, I didn't hear That's, that. Such a, what a what a weird problem to have. My bird ordered a crate <laughs> of bread. A, a pallet of crackers. <clears throat> wow. Um. Wordwin says in another sci-fi, the AIs, which bother to stick around with humanity, tend to be a-holes. Uh, wouldn't that be fun if our 
AI's advanced so far, they're like, you know what? We're out of here. And they just create their own space program and leave. They're just oh, like, yeah. screw you what? guys. We're going to go mine asteroids. <laughs> uh, well, friggin' Val and friggin' Hart are both ships. Uh, one of the things I talk about uh, in Persona Non Grata is that... At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Every functioning AI that they talk, that they know of, is ship-based. It's all based on the hyperspace uh, concept. Because the interrelationships that take place in hyperspace, that's the, at least what they believe is the catalyst for AI to actually get smart enough. Nice, mm. nice. It's, uh, it's, a good, it's a good scientific jump with enough sci-fi in there to be fun to play with. Um, with my world, I'm looking at advancing it enough that from where we are now, it's a shining future. But like anything, when you zoom in, you can see the dirt and the grit. And that's where the cyberpunk and the noir comes in because you always still have street-level things. And though you might start out with the characters in their beautiful, pristine environment, once they go outside of that into the real world, it's much grittier and just down-to-earth dirty because we're humans and we are still animals, <clears throat> which is why I approve of uh, Judge Dredd's littering policy. <laughs> it's uh, <clears throat> But yeah, it's I had fun redesigning London as they're basically turning a lot of the lower streets into bicycle paths and walking paths and creating the elevated roads for cars that are on rails and programmed with these self-driving cars and stuff. So it's not a large leap from where we are now. The hardest part for me to, in my head, say this happened is humans working together long enough to come up with the money to create the infrastructure that creates mm. a more perfect future for the mass transport, for the recycling so we actually survive to this point yeah. and beyond. Um, so, yeah, it's it, cool. it looks dystopian until you start looking and you still have corporate greed, which that's the dystopian part. As governments actually kind of fall down the tier and money takes over, where your corporations are now kind of running things and places like yeah. uh, a certain large A-name corporation that I will not name here for multiple reasons gets into things like pharmaceuticals and their distribution system that's already in place, how they can take over that and their advertising ability. That's also a common theme in uh, futuristic type shows, the advertising. I love the personalized advertising where it just tracks you with your own technology. Well, and, the, what I really liked was um, Minority Report, the Tom Cruise movie, mm -hmm. uh, where it scanned the eye and then for targeted advertising, it knew exactly who right. you were as you were walking down the road. Right, and, yeah. and the same thing, but whether it's scanning the eye or whether it's facial recognition or whether it's tracking your card phone in Silver and Smith, there is definitely personalized advertising all along the way, and I didn't get into that too much. 
But I love that concept of that invasive technology, which brings you so many conveniences, but your freedoms are slowly being impinged on. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's an unconscious agreement. Sometimes it's a conscious realization of if I want to be able to just shout, hey, order me this, my pallet of crackers. You know, that means that machine (laughs) is listening to (laughs) their machine is listening to all the time. I'm going to check a comment here. Uh, It's a decoration here, but uh, Wordwin says for a sci-fi game I ran for some coworkers, I gave him a character sheet with the impression it'd be the character for someone who was running late. So they made this terrible, paranoid, clumsy character with all sorts of mental issues. I love their expressions when I told them. Okay, this is your Starship's AI. Hilarious. That is the Game Master throwing a wrench into the player's plans as the player tried to throw a wrench into somebody else's plans. Yeah, I like Uh, that. Well, exactly. What's it called? Uh, Friggin' uh, in Red Dwarf. Friggin' it had a very limited cast of characters. It was was a sci-fi show done on the cheap. Yeah. So you had Dave, you had Lister, you had the ship's AI, you had Cat who's just running around on his own. Um, and that was pretty much the show. Um, but the AI, the ship's AI was dumb. <laughs> Which makes sense for humans to create a dumb AI because when they're smarter than us, we get paranoid. Um, mm-hmm. Werdewin says, I answered the question of why would people allow this to happen by having a per- the pervasive advertising be opt-in by discounts on equipment and gear advertising subsidies on cyber tech and that makes sense too you make it you make them a deal that's too good to refuse well this this actually falls into the classic marketing type of thing okay um we anytime you are not paying for something okay in advertising or anything like that you are not the customer you are the product correct um the internet so they are right (laughs) You are you access to you is being sold to somebody else. Right. You are the product that is being sold. So we don't pay for TV for the most part. We pay we pay a nominal fee. So advertisers pay for access to us. They pay a lot more to get access to us than we pay for access to the TV. Right. If you um, look at a newspaper's profit and now news channels on the internet. The way they make most of their money is advertising, not sales of the paper or the news. Yeah, sure. And, and, and good. That's where the, the pop up ads became this toxic waste setup, is because they have to sell access to us. Right. And that's why we hate it. Right. If we paid for access, anytime we pay access for things like that, your Hulu without commercials or your Netflix without commercials, oh, you don't have any advertisements, it's great. But you're getting exactly what you pay for. You get access to past seasons. Right. And I never had a problem with that because I don't need to watch it and stand around the water cooler and talk about it tomorrow. But now you have things like CBS All Access where you pay $6 with commercials or $10 without. And I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. fair. I'll take commercials, or I won't, depending on what I want. Um, right. Comment okay. on what Wordwin said there, as well as what Aaron said. Humans are lazy and greedy, and convenience 
and greed feeding into that laziness will and once most people say yes then everybody gets set with this right i remember when i'm sure it's an ongoing discussion but quite often um sorry i lost track of my thought um lazy and greedy smartphone (laughs) yeah i know it's well it's andrea making sure she gets home safe uh, which, by the yeah. way, Aaron, we'll have to talk watches at some point in time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, I sent Aaron We'll do, We can do it after the show if you still got a few minutes. Oh, I do. I do, yeah. Um, do yeah, you hate I, me now? Huh? Do you hate me now? No, but my bank has a few choice things to say about you. Hey, <laughs> that was not my fault. <laughs> Enabler. <laughs> watches and cats. Watches and cats. Every cat will have their own watch collar. You had cats before you knew me. (laughs) Sure, I did. Um, Yeah, with the greed and the laziness, once... Oh, I remember what is driver's license. I remember a discussion at one point in time. It It was an argument amongst a large group of people of why are we paying to drive? And the government's thing is driving is not a right. It's a privilege. So we get to regulate it. You can't just go buy a car and drive around on these streets. The government paid for the streets, so if you want the privilege of driving on them, you're going to pay for licensing to do that. Mm. So that is a pre-internet age argument over impinging on what we're allowed to do. Is that a freedom? And the same thing for, yes, Aaron? Yeah, and don't get me wrong, this gets into some of the other philosophies. Back before cars, you didn't have a license to friggin' ride a horse down the friggin' roads. Right. But also, the reason cars cost so much is uh, thanks to paper sales. Yeah, it... it, It's, uh... Interesting. Yeah, it all... It's all transitioning in from one thing to another, and more regulation and all that stuff. But rubber, excise taxes, things like this. But roads, the reason we have the roads and the interstates and all that stuff that we have here is the Eisenhower interstate system. It's a war effort in case we have to friggin' move things across the way they are. It's all friggin' taxation based. Mm-hmm. Um, and the entire driver license concept. Uh, move it into the dystopian a, utopian uh, situation. Oh, yeah. Relate it, it back. Is where we get into. Hey, they're planning for the next war. It's always been planning for the next war. The the, the next, pardon my French, shit show. See, and when We're you look expecting... at, and when you look at utopian, it's a war-free society. When you're looking at dystopian, there is still a war under the surface. It's just not a war right. with bullets and guns and planes and tanks. It's a war oh, yeah. of finances. It's a war of controlling the people through oh, yeah. different means. I can't say I've written. Thing that has a dystopian setting, but listening to you guys, it it sounds to me like it's um, like if you could if you start with something that has like the be, the best the best intentions, yes, and then then you and then you look at it in the most corrupt or scary way, right? Oh That's goodness, Michael, I have to disagree on this one. All right, okay, so Winslow, right? You've mm-hmm. got that conflict between the organizations and Winslow. You got Winslow, who's kind of an agent of chaos uh, <laughs> in the classic D anD D. Um, when you went from the, into this bard, the he's a bard, isn't second, 
well, you've got the agent of chaos versus the agents of order uh, who yep. don't necessarily want to control your cryptids, but who want to monitor and track and do all that stuff that's going on there. It Air reminded quotes. me of Doom Control, uh, Doom Patrol, the oh. current series that's on HBO Max. Okay, um, there is an organization that is very similar. Okay, mm. but what's happening is because of the way the aging's going on, they went from a monitor to a remove philosophy mm. because things adapt over time. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things that happening. What is going to happen to Scalpy's organization five years from now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Winslow left the organization because it changed. Right. Okay. Scalpy's one of the last of the old guard. Mm-hmm. Okay. For all we know, yes, he... He and Winslow butted heads, but they're still friends of sorts. They may mm. be rivals, but Frenemies. they don't hate each other. What happens when he's gone? Right. What's the new guard in that organization going to do? What's that undercurrent going to change? Because we've got the water themes going on. What What's his young boss going to happen here? Mm. Where's the dystopia taking place? I love how you're engaging. You're making me smile so much, man. I, I, I love how you're engaging with the, with See, the story. Thank it you makes that. me wonder in book three if you will have the new guard in there as a third party. or there's, there's interesting things that are popping up that I was not expecting uh, just even in the first chapter. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, Cryptica is kind of. Um, I guess I didn't think of it as a setting, but in a way it is because it, it's it's running underneath, it, it's existing underneath like what we know as 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 the ordinary, and, uh, and I think that's sort of, that's sort of the case with with urban fantasy uh, or or things like it, like the folkloric fantasy that's Winslow Hoffner's Incredible Encounters is that there's there's like what what you know, and then there's a few people who are in the know of what's really going on. So I guess that kind of is, or to uh, think they're in the know. Uh, yeah, and uh, well, and until they don't know. <laughs> well, no, but well, because okay, so we got Winslow. Winslow's oldish, okay, yeah. so he's been around a while. But the creatures that we're dealing with are older than him. Oh, sure. But what happens when we deal with the creatures that are older than those? Because we're going into the deep. You get Godzilla and then the deep, deep. <laughs> Godzilla. Yeah, no, but I, we're going into the deep, deep because there's the, going to be things that. Winslow's never encountered because right now he's telling the stories from his perspective. What happens when he encounters something that he's never seen, never heard from, doesn't know, and he shifts from he and I, I've talked about this before, where the the universe of Persona non grata is a utopia. Mm-hmm. It is a perfect universe because the universe itself is perfect, at least in my. This is a beautiful universe. The Now, each person within it can see the dystopia of it is, the imperfections. Mm-hmm. Okay? Well, Winslow is an optimist. Go ahead, Travis. Real quick to throw this in, Wardowin says a huge disadvantage with dystopian settings nowadays is that dystopia has become the home of young adult. Shudder. Mm. Well, and that's where I'm getting at. Um, so people see this dystopia. They see this something's wrong here. Luke Skywalker sees that, ah, 
if he starts off looking at it, goes, yeah, the Empire, it's not all bad. There's things that can go. He was getting ready to go to the Academy. He was get, he was on track to be the next Grand Moth. And he would have been. Mm. He would have been in line to be friggin' the Emperor's right-hand man in 20 years. Because mm. um, he would have, he was one of the best and the brightest. Except he got friggin' farm duty. Changed. Well, one more year. Um, he got radicalized by this hermit in the desert. Um, then he showed him his but, light sword. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. So, but, do you want to see so my light sword? Winslow looks at the universe as this utopian landscape. Aerie looks at the universe in a positive light. He occasionally grabs gets glimpses of cynicism, but he's always trying to look at it in a positive light. Um, I have Hart always as an optimist. Um, so we got this one pop, perfect optimist, one semi-cynic, and then I try to get just a, a little smudge on the glass. Mm. Um, and as Wordwin says, the home of the young adult is this dystopian lens that we're viewing everything through. Everything's just a shade darker. The dark mirror philosophy. Well, if you look at politics in our modern era through the young person's eyes, it is very dystopian. And it is. I can't say they're wrong. No, they are. They are. But we're presenting things as this is what's wrong. Okay. But I can also present things as this is what's right. We don't let people die on the streets. We don't. This now, is where the news agencies come in. Bad news sells. So that's oh, yeah. what we focus on in the news. And I'm not saying there's not things wrong. There are. But there's a lot of things that are right, too. And we overlook them in the favor of making that point zero zero two three cents per click. And, yeah, because bad news sells. So that's what's brought to our attention. So this... So in one hand, we're living in a utopian society. On the other hand, we're living in a dystopian society, all depending on which side of that lens you're standing on. What? And But but to that major point, all three of us are kind of in that sci-fi genre. I mean, the, the overarching sure. one. Sure. Um, sci-fi writers are historically prophets, if you will, okay? And our goal Gene is Roddenberry. to avert... Yep. Uh, our, our major goal is to avert our books coming to pass. We don't want our books to come to pass. Oh, here's um, another thing I've done. I'm sorry to interrupt, Aaron. In yeah, Silver yeah. and Smith, spoilers, magic returns. Magic returns to the world. Um... And that's a spoiler for book one. Which, by the way, Wordwin said something that applies to this conversation. The crazy stuff that's happening in third world countries, especially Africa, with financial organizations is very dystopian. Think all the negative negatives of student loans, but applied to countries. So, but that's getting into a large political arena right there. It's... <clears throat> I think... Utopian is the shining hope. Dystopian mm -hmm. is what happens to utopia when you apply human laziness and greed. But interesting. And yeah. greed feeding off the laziness. Perspective. Perspective. Mm. 
yeah. perspective. And uh, that's true too. Yeah. So, closing thoughts before we wrap this up. Recaps, anything? I've learned a lot listening to you guys. I've learned a lot listening to you guys, and and thank you, Aaron, for uh, you know the the deep dive and the character study of. Uh, I of like how book. Aaron really did that, it. and now because yeah. of Aaron's little infomercial there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's a better word. Um, I'm just imagining Michael selling his book to a conspiracy theory nut now, um, <laughs> and doing it well. Uh, sir, sir, we don't call them that. Uh, we call them a conspiracy theory aficionados now. <laughs> oh. It's a couple of comments from chat. Gagang says there can be an argument that all utopias are dystopias. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Dystopia mm-hmm. equals... To somebody they are. That's true. The people with the money. Dystopia equals... Werdewin says dystopia equals scarcity economics. Utopia equals post-scarcity economics, but people with money create scarcity economics to make money. And, uh, yeah, supply and demand, the basic rule of capitalism. And if there is not a demand, then you take away the supply, and there will be. Toilet paper is a great example (laughs) in this modern era. There you go. Okay. Oh, shoot, anything's anything's toilet paper if you're brave enough. <laughs> yeah, just ask my cats. Um, hey, does poo stick to your fur? They're self-cleaning. <laughs> yeah, it does, and they, like, run out of the cat box and leave a little... Anyhow, moving on. Uh, <laughs> did you guys get your chance for closing thoughts? Can I do the wrap? Oh, Tracy, thank you very yeah. much for swinging your bits in front of us. Here's you. Any other stuff for you guys before I do the wrap-up? No, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to remind everybody that you can email us at rightnightshow at gmail.com. Right night, just like the podcast is spelled, W-R-I-T-E-N-I-G-H-T, show at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can mm-hmm. get each of our books, michaelthompsonbooks.com. Or Bindi. Michelle Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Or that. <laughs> um, I got to get both donate domains. You can find mine at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Travis Books. Aaron's at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Aaron Kennedy. And, uh, hey, Aaron! There you go. <laughs> um, and also, don't forget to support the other podcasts, such as Talk of the Tavern, that's out there every week, um, which is Toast Topics and Tangents like this, but very, very different. Stealing for Survival, our medieval fantasy apocalyptic role-playing game. And I want to thank everybody for hanging out and chit-chatting with us. Appreciate that. Gagang's closing thought is, I think that is because in order to create a utopia, you must give up some fundamental part of humanity's experience. The mouse utopia experiment was coincidentally started in good faith, but the mice started to get more violent. I want to know more about that. I don't know about that, but not right now. Thank you for all the bit subs, purchase of merchandise, and you can pick up merchandise at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Tavern Merch, as well as Tavern Merch 2, the number 2 at the end. And those are pint glasses, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, all kinds of great stuff, including the holiday stuff for if you want sweatshirt and the mug. Um, thank you to our Patreon people, our PayPal people, and let's do some closing music. Cogsley, take it away. <laughs> Thank you.
thank you for joining author Travis I. Sivart and the other writers, content creators, and Did we all ask what people were uh, listening or uh, reading, listening to, or pro- uh, their projects this time? If not, email us. Join us again soon, and until you do, make sure you create with passion, enjoy the journey, and remember, every night can be right now. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday.